Ask for a favor. Uh huh. Can I hear you say, come on? Kawaii. Come on. Kawaii. Come on. Kawaii. No. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Listen, I love Drew Brown from Pittsburgh. Come on. But his friends are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Not ramping down. We're just getting started. Nothing stops this train. Thank you. God bless. And come on. Come on, network episode ten, the Pit Panther episode. Pit football fans. Uh, get ready for this one. We have Doran Dickerson, former Pitt Panther, former NFL tight end and fullback, now a local radio voice at 93.7, the fan later on. We'll also have Jimmy Morrissey, uh, the current starting center for Pitt football. But to kick us off here, uh, we did a little draft with Capel Faithful last night. We'll get to that in just a minute. Come on, network available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Come On Network. Check out our website, comeon.network, where you'll, you will find podcast episodes, blogs on everything from sports to wing reviews, and eventually we will have some merch available as well. We also have a Twitch stream fronted by our very own Chase Johnson and Austin Shaw. Check out those guys playing video games. Uh, I often regret not going back and doing that in college with Drew Brown uh, playing with our, our favorite customized player and having everyone wit- witness the greatness that was Ricky Fuck, a three-time Heisman Trophy winner at Pitt. Anyway, he's not available for this draft. He was a fake person, but a legend at heart. Last night, we conducted a draft with our friends at Capel Faithful. Follow those guys on Twitter at Capel Faithful for some great Pitt content. We have those guys here with us now to break down our teams and how we think we did. Uh, first, we're going to meet the Come On Network offense. So, Kyle Dawson, let's take us through that. Let's do it. Our quarterback was Tyler Palco. Our tailback is LaShawn Shady McCoy. Lou Polite, the fullback. Antonio Bryant and Devin Street, our two wide receivers. Doran Dickerson, our tight end. And our offensive line, and we'll get to this in terms of the breakdown of the draft as well, but we went – with two offensive tackles, two guards, and a center. So the guard and the tackle, or regardless of whether they played left or right side, are two tackles are Jeff Otah and TJ Clemmings, and John Malecki and Jason Pinkston, the guards, with Jimmy Morrissey as the center for the Come On Network offense. Dylan Mitchell and John Cotton here are, are two boys with Capel Faithful. Uh, fellas, take us through your starting offense. All right, thanks, fellas. Um, so at quarterback, we have the current starting quarterback for the Pitt Panthers. That's Kenny Pickett. That's our guy. We're a very pro Pickett account, um, so we had to grab our guy. We also have James Connor at running back. Fullback is George Aston. Um, we picked up Larry Fitzgerald with the number one overall pick. He's our wide receiver one. We also grabbed Tyler Boyd with our second pick. Um, tight end, we have J.P. Holtz, and then our offensive line is actually we were able to snag the entire offensive line from 2016 uh, with Matt Canada's high-powered offense. Our two tackles, we have Brian O'Neill and Adam Biznawadi. Guards are Dorian Johnson and Alex Bookser, and at center we have Alex Officer. 
So the defense for the Come On Network is kind of the same way as well. Here's the breakdown. It's two defensive ends, two defensive tackles, two outside linebackers, an inside or a middle linebacker, two corners and two safeties. So our two defensive ends are Greg Romius and Jabal Sheard. The defensive tackles, Aaron Donald and Chas Alexi. The outside linebackers, Sean Duwu and Todd Thomas. HB Blades at the middle linebacker spot. The corners, Darrell Revis and Avante Maddox. And then Tez Morris and Jordan Whitehead, the safeties for Command Network. Capel Faithful, um, we grabbed defensive ends. We had Patrick Jones Jr. and Iwan Price. Uh, our defensive tackles were Jalen Twyman and Mick Williams. Outside linebackers, Clint Session and Elijah Zeiss, dog soldier. Middle linebacker, Scott McKillop. Cornerbacks, Kaywon Williams and Dane Jackson. And the safety tandem, the same guys playing back there now, Paris Ford and DeMar Hamlin. So, guys, I, I, w- I would say at least uh, based on what, what we both drafted, uh, Capel Faithful, uh, definitely more of a current team, you know, last five years and so on. Now, now this was a post-2000s pit draft. Uh, for anybody who, who didn't catch early on asking, you know, why didn't either team draft Dan Marino or Tony Dorsett? These are just guys that played at Pitt after 2000. But Cable Faithful, definitely more of the uh, the last five years. Uh, come on, network, getting some of those early 2000s guys um, on their squad. So, so looking at a little bit of a p- position breakdown, I guess we, we start with quarterback I know you Capel Faithful guys love Kenny Pickett. I drafted him 12th overall. Uh, As you were going to make that pick, were were you knowing you had Kenny Pickett early in the draft? Well, here's the thing, Donnie. With our first two picks, we went Larry Stern first overall. Tyler Boyd's probably the second best receiver there. We get those two. We'd have me at quarterback, and we'd be able to throw for about 200 yards. But, uh, yeah, like we mentioned earlier, we're big picket guys. We think he uh, can do a lot of things in year two under Whipple. And, heck, I think this offense will be very, very explosive. So, did we reach a little bit? It's up for debate. But, hey, we got our guy, and we're happy about that. Yeah, I mean, it was more principle than anything. Um, I'm a big picket believer. I really do think he has a lot of tools. I think he's super competitive. Um, and like, like John said, you know, if he's throwing it up to Larry Fitz, throwing it to Tyler Boyd, I really do have confidence in that guy just going out and competing. Um, like I said, we love him. Uh, I know Dawson, you know, thought we might have reached a little bit. but <laughs> It wasn't I was even that we I thought you reached. I, I just think, and this can begin a little bit of banter too, we, we took Tyler Palco, and I, prob- and I like Kenny Pickett a lot. I like Kenny. I just would have taken at least three quarterbacks. That includes Palco, Stahl, and uh, Nate Peterman for his senior year and what he did in, in your 2016 team that's got that entire offensive line from that team. I think Nate Peterman's season was better that year than anybody uh, or any of the two years that Kenny Pickett has put up. But I'm a Kenny guy. I just thought that was a little bit of a reach for 12 at that point. But maybe yeah, I'm there's just, another guy out there drugs. too. Uh, Rod Rutherford was another guy who probably mm-hmm. could have went off the board there. Um, he, and I thought yeah, about well. he probably Rod Rutherford probably could have gone off the board as well. But you, I mean, I and Rod started as a wide receiver at Pitt, and I think a lot of his passing yards and a lot of his success is a tribute to your guys' number one overall pick. I mean, John, you mentioned earlier that you know any of us could be throwing the ball up to Larry Fitzgerald at Pitt, and he's going to go up and catch it and hand it to that referee every single time. Um, the number I look at for me, especially when you talk about two guys 
Kenny getting up there as well. Uh, Palco, uh, a multiple-year starter like uh, Kenny is going to be, uh, is a QBR. Tyler Palco's QBR at Pitt was 140.8. Kenny's current QBR right now is 121.9. Uh, to me, I think that that obviously gets in Tyler Palco's a little bit favor too. And as much as a Kenny guy, I am as well. I've met him a couple of times. He's a really good kid. Uh, he's not on record saying of how proud of his fucking football team he is. So that might have had a little bit of uh, an advantage for us as well. I, I also want to uh, just point out that even though any guy could probably throw the ball to Larry Fitzgerald, how does he do in a matchup with Darrell Revis in the eyes of Capel Faithful? Yeah, I mean, that's going to be – I don't know. You put Revis out there on the island with him. Larry Fitz – I mean, he should have won a Heisman Trophy. Larry Fitzgerald should have won the Heisman Trophy as a receiver on a – At Ron Cook. That, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on a team that wasn't even all that great, not a great pit team, um, to even be in that conversation – I know what Revis ended up being in the NFL, and he was a heck of a player at Pitt. Um, but I like I like the matchup. And you know what? Opposite side of the field, we have Tyler Boyd, who's probably been one of the most dynamic playmakers who's been at Pitt in the last 20 years. So pick your poison there. Yeah, I agree. And I, th- I thought they did a good job. And I don't mean to cut you off, Donnie. I thought those guys did a good job. And, and how it worked was the same way when we had Pirates of the Allegheny on. Is, is they, those guys had the first pick. We had the next two and then we went one by one. So they ended up taking it, as, as Dylan mentioned earlier, Fitzgerald at one. That's when we went and took, and we talked about it in the defense, but we took um, Aaron Donald at two, Darrell Revis at three, and we had Tyler Boyd lined up at five, uh, or at whatever number would have been five when we, when we got the turn back, and then those guys took Boyd right off our hands. So we ended up settling with our receivers, which we'll talk about. But, I, I mean – from a receiver standpoint, I think these guys have us in a landslide. Uh, I think Boyd and, and Fitzgerald and Boyd, to Dylan's point, uh, I think for my money is probably the best playmakers in the 2010s on the pit team, um, you know, at any position. So Boyd is obviously a great pick, and, and Fitzgerald is what Fitzgerald is. I mean, he's carved out an obnoxiously successful NFL career after Pitt. I think you can make a case for – you guys getting the cable faithful guys getting us at receiver. I mean, I think that there's a legitimate, legitimate case there as far as talent goes. Larry Fitz is Larry Fitz, and he's still doing what he's doing. And Tyler Boyd uh, coming on as a legitimate NFL number one receiver. But Antonio Bryant was no slouch. I mean, Antonio Bryant kind of fell through the cracks as far as, especially talking about current somewhat current pit football like we're doing because you have a younger generation like us talking about Tyler Boyd, Jonathan Baldwin, who wasn't even drafted. Uh, that might turn some heads. But Antonio Bryant was in that kind of same era as Larry Fitzgerald. He was awesome. And we kind of went with the technical side. You know, I don't know about landslide because our two receivers, Antonio Bryant and Devin Street, are second and fourth all-time in university in receptions. Devin Street is the second all-time leading receiver at the University of Pittsburgh. Antonio Bryant's fourth. So is it a landslide? I don't know, but I think that there's a case for them significantly getting us. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm heavily on the, on the capable faithful side whenever it comes to receivers, but I think it was just inevitable uh, in our case because they had a plan going in to – take the top two receivers. Uh, you know, Devin Street and Antonio Bryant were both very good at Pitt, but uh, especially whenever you consider what Devin Street did, some of those other guys behind him left school a year early uh, and probably would have him passed up on that list. But f- for how good I felt about the rest of the draft, I thought 
Um, these guys really nailed it with receiver. Now, was that the plan going in, guys, just to take the top two receivers right away, knowing you had pick one and four? Well, I think it was. I think the top three were pretty obvious. Um, it was going to be, you know, some combination of Fitz, AD, and Revis. Um, so we were hoping, you know, maybe you guys would let one of them slip for us. Um, but I thought, to me, it was just watching Tyler Boyd, like one of my favorite, maybe my favorite pit football player I ever got to watch. Um, and having him there, just considering like the fantasy world of Fitzgerald across from Boyd, um, it, it was too tempting to pass up. If I can make one more point on the quarterback before we move on, I know we were looking at stats yesterday, trying to pick between Palco and, and Bill Stahl and even maybe even Nate Peterman for even a, a little hot minute there. But Palco's t- touchdown to interception ratio for his three years was, was pretty exceptional as well. And I, I think Palco and, and Pickett are two uh, somewhat comparable quarterbacks. I think Pickett does a little bit more for the current offense, especially with Mark Whipple. But uh, just to wrap up on that that quarterback conversation, though, that's not even what we're talking about. But I know that that was the original question. The differences in Larry Fitz and Tyler Boyd that both, you know, they can go up and get the ball. We got Larry Fitz on one side, you got a double team them. Tyler Boyd on the other side. We can use Tyler Boyd as like a hybrid running back with all the jet sweep. That's when the jet sweeps kind of started with Pitt. So I think just the dynamic duo there was uh, really what sealed it. Like we're getting the two best offensive playmakers on the board. I think another hope that, that us, the Come On Network guys, had was that drafting a pretty dominant defensive line and hoping that in a game-like setting, Kenny Pickett would just be running for his life and have to hope that those receivers made plays because I, I, don't, I don't think we really could have picked three better guys up front. Uh, I know you guys like more of the, the current group or, you know, the guys from the last few years, but I mean, you get Aaron Donald off the bat, you got the best defensive player that's been at Pitt in the last 20 years, and then a couple of pretty good guys on the edge like, like Romeus and Sheard. So is there, is there any concern there with your offensive line and Kenny running for his life? I'll add, uh, I think you guys have probably the slight edge at the line. There are a lot of good defensive lines to go around this draft, so we weren't heartbreaking to get the guys we got. We think we have a really, really strong front four. Uh, the offensive line we like 2016 was one of the better years for a line for Pitt. So those guys we have, we think will be strong. And then I think we might as well just run the, the full house formation the whole game. We got George Aston and JP Holtz on each side of Pickett with James Conner behind them. That's going to be tough to get by. They're going to be thumping dudes. I think that'll uh, take some pressure off of Kenny, but without a doubt, there will be pressure. I'll yeah, there's two. Play. There's a couple ridiculously good uh, guards or even tackles. I mean, Biz is a great tackle. Uh, Brian O'Neill obviously has carved out a pretty damn successful NFL career so far with Minnesota. And Bookser Johnson, no joke. Um, I think that's a pretty good offensive line. I just don't know. I don't know if I'm buying it holding together Greg Romeus, Jabal Sheard, and, and Aaron Donald the way that they, they ran things at Pitt. But uh, at least you have a a guy as a running back that can kind of power through some guys too and and James Conner and I know that when we were thinking when you guys had taken Boyd off the chart at at number four we're like okay well we're definitely taking a running back now and I don't know where everyone stands on the McCoy Conner I think Deion Lewis is a guy that people might might have a little eye raise at not being drafted but with two running backs obviously McCoy and, and Conner are great options but I don't know where we stand on that one either. 
And you, you were going to get somebody left out. I mean, you could throw Ray Graham and Quadri Olison and maybe even Darren Hall in that discussion that got left out because it's just been so good. Uh, but I, I'm not sure any team is able to run the ball very well against the Come On Network defense. Uh, you guys uh, and Donnie, you talked about it earlier. Aaron Donald, the best defensive player on the field. In that middle with Chaz Alexi, who is very, very good, 15 and a half tackles for loss as a senior. Uh, and he kind of just came on late. I think he was drafted by the Panthers, had a training camp run with them, uh, and didn't really make anything happen because it was the success of his collegiate career was towards the back half. Jamal Sheard and Greg Romeus talk about a guy that really, really is a shame that uh, he didn't have much of a better NFL career. I thought he was as good or maybe even better uh, than Jabal Sheard, who is uh, still playing in the NFL. And Romeo's just had a really disgusting injury that really messed him up his entire football career as a senior, which is unfortunate. But you combine our front four, uh, a middle linebacker in HB Blades, a former All-American who's in the top 10 in tackles in pit history, with two very, very good run-stopping safeties in Jordan Whitehead and Tez Morris. And Tez Morris was another Walt Harris guy that kind of slipped through the cracks that nobody really talks about. He's eighth all-time in pit history and tackles and was one of those uh, safeties that could line up and play linebacker hybrid players before that's become more of a relevant thing in football today. You know, everybody talks about that's what Terrell Edmonds should be or has the potential to be whatever, different discussion. But that's what Tez Morris was at Pitt. He was very good. And, you know, you combine that with the front four and HP Blades. I don't know how many teams run the ball against that. Yeah. Hey, your front seven, I mean, it's going to be tough to run the ball. Um, you know, our O-line is going to have their hands full. Uh, but one guy I like toting the rock against a tough defense is James Conner. I don't think people really remember how good he was as a sophomore. Um, you know, Ram had 26 touchdowns, uh, total touchdowns, was the ACC player of the year, um, was, what, 245 pounds at that point, um, and was really just a man amongst boys. I remember play against Duke where he's just throwing guys off him like rag dolls. Um, and that, I mean, James Conner, he was just so tough um, as a sophomore. And then he came back his junior year. And I remember watching the first couple quarters of that first game before he got hurt, just thinking, wow, he, he looks a lot quicker. Um, and then he comes back his senior year, you know, beats cancer, best story in sports that year, and uh, has another 20 touchdown season. So, um, yeah, we're, we'll have some trouble running the ball against you guys. But if there's anyone I'm going to put, put the ball in his hands, uh, I, pre- I feel pretty comfortable with James Conner back there. Well, yeah, that's what – if there's – and you can blow it out on a national collegiate scale, uh, John, before you go. But if there's one guy that can run against what I was talking about, it is James Conner. And I'm not sure if you can really name anybody else. On the floor, Also, I was touching back on uh, – sorry to interrupt you, Donnie. Just to touch on that, we know you got that front seven. but We're going to – spread you out and keep you on your toes. We got the whole 2016 offensive line. And I don't know if you remember that Clemson game. We're going to throw shovel passes every other play too. So they're not going to know what's coming at. It might be a shovel pass, might be a play action, might be a Don't think whatever. Aaron Donald will be able to handle that one. Uh, <laughs> you never know. You never know. We can wish. I don't know. I think that sweet linebacker from Clemson, what was his name, Bullware? Bullware. Uh, I, I, think, I think he's he's more imposing than an Aaron Donald figure. I don't even know if that guy got drafted. He, he was he was such a highly touted middle linebacker. I don't I don't think anything ever happened with him. Uh, I I do want to go to the flip side though. Uh, with a matchup like 
your defensive line against our offensive line uh, was pretty happy uh, with the the line that Come On Network pulled in. Um, you know, two All-American tackles. We went with Ota and Clemmings. Uh, those are our first two uh, linemen picked. Uh, maybe a little bit weaker at guard. Uh, we went with Malecki and Pinkson, and then shoring that up in the middle, Jimmy Morrissey, who uh, has All-American potential himself. And then you guys go with a, a younger group uh, on the defensive front. But I, I think that's a, a a pretty good matchup there uh, to go against a, a pretty good offensive line. Uh, maybe throwing a wrench into that is, you know, a guy like Doran on our side who is – sort of a hybrid tight end. I uh, was an All-American on that uh, you know, team in the late 2000s. W- whenever it came down to defensive line for you guys, uh, d- did you kind of realize just because we picked guys so early you had to go with the young crew, or what was your plan there? Well, I think we, we got Twyman at five. So it went, um, you know, we went Fitz, you went A.D. Rivas, got Boyd, and I guess it would have been your pick. So we – we grabbed Twyman after that, um, and we knew we had to shore up. We couldn't let you get AD and Twyman um, because then running the ball goes out the window. And uh, so we, we had to grab Twyman once AD was gone. And then, yeah, I mean, honestly, some of these younger guys were just available. I mean, I think Pat Jones, I've seen him in mock drafts going in the first round this year. Um, you know, if that happens, we'll see. But I think he's a stud pass rusher. Um, Mick Williams was the co-defensive player of the year with your guy, Greg Romeus. Uh, back in 09 and then a warm price I think people forget um, he had like 13 and a half sacks he was an all-american so I don't think I mean do you guys have the edge I'd probably give you guys the edge on the d-line but I we don't have slouches back there um, but that just kind of goes to show the, the defensive line talent that's been at Pitt and is currently at Pitt right now but yeah I, I think getting some of those younger guys just taking who's available I think we got some studs there yeah I, th- I think it's a whenever you look at defensive line and then uh, a position like running back, maybe even a little bit of the offensive line, all those positions just so loaded that you're not really getting a bad player out of any of those. Nobody random uh, that you can really think of. But I, I do want to throw uh, one more wrench at you guys, and I, I guess it'd be a wrench at all of us. Uh, Kyle, I don't know, whenever you make the graphic, if, if you can make any sort of adjustment. Uh, we didn't pick a coach last night in our, our draft. So if you had to pick a coach, uh, Capel Faithful, we'll give you guys a, the first selection at a coach from 2000 and beyond. Who would you pick there? John, I think, uh, I think we're going to be on the same page here. I, I really hope we are. Um, I octane, question mark? I know you're thinking. Oh, man. I mean, I look, I'm a Pittsburgh guy through and through. I love whippy old guys. I love local guys who love the program. And I do love Narduzzi right now. I'm a big fan of what he's done with the defensive unit. But I'd be taking Coach Wanstead. I think we're going to go with Mike Haywood. <laughs> I, was, I was about to say we should grab Mike Haywood because he last. He probably had one like of the best minutes. tenures in pit history. <laughs> well, it was like super long. So. Well, if we want to get interesting, let's go Graham versus Haywood. <laughs> I, I, I see. I think a Mike Haywood-led team in 2011 goes 6-6 six and six as well. So, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I I thought that they'd go with either Narduzzi or Wani. I wanted Wani just because I'm I'm looking out my bedroom window right now and I can see the church he was married in. He's a Baldwin guy, so that's and I uh, was yeah. But big, I I I think that leaves us open a pretty good coach that may even be 
deba- debatably better than Wani. Who do you think? If we want to go early 2000s and go with a guy like Walt Harris. Yeah. My argument there, though, is ha- you hear stories half the time that Walt Harris didn't know what was going on on the defensive side. Well, neither side did of the Joe football. Pa. <laughs> yes. Joe, Joe Pa didn't know shit the last like 20 years of his career. I don't know, though. I mean, like. Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> heard that. How many. How many meaningful football games – and I loved Walt. I was a little young to remember him a lot, but I, I think he was a good football coach. How many meaningful football games did Walt Harris play in, playing in the Big East? The backyard brawl, Virginia – he beat Virginia Tech. I don't know who we didn't talk about. Lou Polite, game-winning touchdown against Virginia Tech. Uh, and then in the probably the biggest game of Walt's tenure, they get curb-stomped on a national stage by Utah. I mean, Pat Narduzzi – I don't want to talk about it. Don't want to talk about it. Yeah, no. But, like, Narduzzi's got several big game wins under his belt. So, that's an argument there. I think you don't go wrong with either Narduzzi or Walt Harris. But I think a big game argument, Narduzzi's got the advantage there. Uh, You have any thoughts there, Kyle? Because I I, I still feel like I would lean towards Harris. In terms of being fresh in the mind, I think it's Narduzzi. But Harris also has over 50 wins. So either one's fine with me. Yeah, and and, I mean, Jack does make the point. But Narduzzi's one of those – he's a coach that pretty much gets his bang for his buck on one big win a year. At least that's how it's been so far. I mean, I know we all hope for more. And every single season, it's pretty much the same thing for the Pitt Panthers. And then you look at the results – they finish seven and five or six and six or seven and six, whatever combination they have a huge win on there, whether it be UCF or Clemson or Miami, you can go down the line, Penn state in 2016, along with Clemson. Otherwise he, he drops other games where Pitt could win and probably finish with nine or 10 wins. The coastal championships mean nothing to you, Donnie. Well, considering how close the actual ACC championship game was. Yeah, your quarterback threw for a ton of yards in that game. (laughs) I think he, what, I I threw for 12 fewer yards than Kenny Pickett against Clemson in the ACC title game. Well, I'm a Kenny guy. I'm a Kenny guy. Here's the thing. The schedule just came out today, and he's going to make up for it. We're beating Clemson twice (laughs) this year, and then I I can't believe they wanted Clemson to lose the week before the national championship game. we made an official decision here, uh, come on, network guys, on, on head coach. Are we going Narduzzi? Well, I, your vote's Walt. My vote's Narduzzi. Kyle can break the tie. Oh, my God. You're putting no pressure. pressure on me. Yeah, I was going to say. Too much pressure on me. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big dues guy. Um, I guess just based off recent tenure and the big wins, we'll play off that. We'll go with the dues. Are you hard for uh, Nard? Just, all right, I'm I'm fine with it. We'll, we'll go with Narduzzi. I don't know if you could toss that in the graphic, Dawson. Yeah, we can toss uh, that in there. Yeah, that, that that'll and that, that'll definitely help out Capel Faithful guys for sure because once that's a legend, pretty much by everyone's standards, whether it's the NFL or, or college. I know he's not a an all time coach, but a pretty good one and a Pittsburgh guy at that well uh we're gonna wrap it up here thanks to the capable faithful guys uh for joining us doing the draft with us that was a lot of fun we'll have a graphic out uh with the drafted teams uh both of our uh twitters will release those uh in the coming days uh coming up though a couple of pit football interviews for you doran dickerson former pit panther former NFL tight end and fullback. He's coming up next later on. Jimmy Morrissey, pit starting center. And that's right here on the Come On Network.
The Come On Network podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts, be that Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Anchor, or another. Listen to past episodes anytime you want, and don't forget to download episodes so they're available at your fingertips. We'd also appreciate a subscribe, rating, or review. You can find much more from the Come On Network on Twitter and Instagram at Come On Network. That's C-O-M-O-N-N-E-T-W-O-R-K, Come On Network. And you can find us on the web at comeon.network for blog posts, podcast episodes, columns, hot takes, and more, including merch coming soon. And of course, as always, a thanks to Anchor, the best way to make a podcast. And now more of the Come On Network podcast. We now welcome into the Come On Network former Pitt Panther, former NFL tight end and fullback, now a local radio voice on 93.7 The Fan, Doran Dickerson. Doran, thanks for taking the time to join us. Uh, to, to get things started right away, I want to ask every football guy this. Do we get football this year at the high school, college, and or professional level? I know it may be a different answer for all three, but I just want to get your thoughts on it. Yeah, I think at the high school level, um, well, especially in Pennsylvania, the PAA, they ruled that they are going to play, try to at least play fall sports and football. Um, I think they feel that, you know, these kids need to uh, experience that. And it's kind of sad if they don't, you know, especially if you're a junior or a senior. I was talking to my buddy earlier. I just got done playing some golf. I was like, you know, looking back, for me personally, it wouldn't be that bad. If I was a junior going to be a senior, it wouldn't be that bad if we didn't play football because I had offers. I knew that I was probably going to play at the next level. But for kids that uh, aren't going to play football anymore, I mean, those are where you make all the memories. You know, I, I, I talk about college football. I talk about NFL football a little bit. But it's all my high school memories at West Allegheny is what I talk about. I still hang with my buddies. Those memories we made will last forever. And I just would feel really bad for some of those kids that weren't going to play at the next level and they wouldn't have a chance to finish out their high school career. College, I don't know. That is a 50-50 uh, situation. I don't know if they're going to go through with it. There's still a lot of kinks to be worked out. Uh, Heather Lake said that she's not really that optimistic. Um, so that is a kind of a gray area. In the NFL, nothing's going to stop the NFL. The NFL is the, their own entity. They're one of the best entertainment businesses in the world. And I feel that if the WWE, which is probably number one or number two entertainment sports business in the in the in the world uh, internationally too. If they can get away with doing it without fans and guys wrestling each other, then the NFL is going to get away with it, and uh, they are not going to lose any money if they can uh, help it. And the TV ratings will be through the roof, and they had great ratings for the draft. So the NFL is going to do whatever it takes to make money and to get those guys on the field and have that product be shown uh, on TV, even if there isn't any fans. So, Doran, when you were talking about uh, the thoughts on high school football playing, you talked about your personal experiences um, playing high school football at West Allegheny and then coming on to play football at the University of Pittsburgh. Talk about, you know, your recruiting process and how much thought went into staying at home and playing at Pitt and ultimately what it was like to stay in your backyard and, and play for the University of Pittsburgh. Well, it was a – it was a in, Easy decision, but it wasn't as easy as it probably looked. I mean, I committed before my senior year in high school because I didn't want it to be a distraction. And that's kind of getting back to what we were just talking about. I didn't want to be a distraction to some of my teammates that, you know, were really looking forward to their senior year of high school. And I was too. And to, to 
look forward to a goal to make it to a field championship and have those memories because a lot of those guys didn't play football, D three, D two, or D one. Um, so I committed uh, June of my going into my senior year of high school to not be a distraction. And uh, it was 25 minutes down the road. My best friend, CJ Davis, uh, committed the year before. He was, you know, started almost every game at Pitt. Um, it was a nice decision, but I went through my ups and downs at Pitt. And it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows. For three years, I moved around. I didn't play that much. Uh, played linebacker, played receiver, played running back, but it ended up panning out and now it's panning out even more, you know, making a name for myself in high school and keeping that going through college has helped me out as an adult now, you know, things I do with 93.7 The Fan, getting that opportunity, uh, doing some opportunities on TV, being able to talk to young athletes and, and train young athletes, it has benefited me more as an adult by staying home and going to the University of Pittsburgh than almost it did. I know it sounds crazy, but almost it did uh, being a player. And, and I, I wrote a letter to my 17 year old self and thanking myself for making that decision because I had a lot of people pulling at me. I mean, you guys probably heard the Reggie Bush story and, and flying out to you know uh, Southern California or going to Penn state or Oklahoma, Michigan, Florida, Urban Meyer sending my mom, uh, flowers of Mother's Day and things like that. So I had a lot of opportunities to go other places, but the best decision I made in my life was to stay home and play for the hometown and, and hoping that it would pan out, and it did. And I kept my head down. I had the blind faith, and I kept working, and, um, you know, good things happen, and still good things are happening. So, you know, I, I love the decision that I made. Gordon, I want to take you back to your time at West Allegheny. Obviously, you played for a pretty prolific and, and memorable and guy that a uh, coach that people know around here, right? And, and Bob Palco. Talk about uh, what it was like playing for him and, and at West Allegheny. And uh, I know that a little bit twofold here, I guess, as well, as I know that you've been in the mix, or at least people have put your name in the mix for coaching jobs here. Is that something that you took away from Bob Palco and uh, coaches up the tree for you? Uh, I mean, Coach Palco, I mean, he's a staple in my my whole life, really. He um, taught me how to be a young man, but he grabbed me when I was younger, and he told me that I had a chance. And, you know, being an eighth-grade kid and, you know, you see Bob Palco walk through the, the middle school hallways or you see Tyler Palco walk through, I'm getting chills even talking about it because I remember the feeling. You know, you see Tyler Palco and you're like, oh, my goodness, this one of the best football players ever, uh, high school football players ever to come out of Pittsburgh – uh, is coming through the hallways and I'm going to the same high school and I'm going to the same school as Bob, Bob Pelko coaches or Tyler Pelko plays. Um, just the fact that he told me that I had a chance whenever I was very young, that always stuck with me. And, you know, I, I carried that on until I was in ninth grade and then 10th grade. And then luck happened and people need luck in life. You know, you need things to align. You need the stars to align for th good things to happen. I gained 30 pounds from my sophomore year to junior year. I grew four inches and the game really just slowed down for me. And uh, coach Palco, he never pushed me to a limit where he had to tell me what to do, but he would really just look at me and be like, all right, you need to step it up right now. Or, all right, you need to get this team rolling right now. Or, all right, we need you to make a play for the team right now you know he would just give me that look and I knew that I couldn't let him down and I, and I was telling a story to my buddy the other day uh he graduated at West Day with me he played quarterback his name is Vinny Cherico and me and Vinny we thought it was a great idea and this is Tyler's junior year going into senior year and they went to two states they won two whippeals before that so they're going into the senior year where they actually won the state championship and Vinny and I are going into eighth grade 
and we're like, hey, we want to go to their workouts. We want to go to the high school, you know, workouts and see what they do and see if we could match up and see if we size up and could compete with those guys because they're the best. We wanted to be the best. We're young. So we went to the workout. We got through it barely. You know, we're, we're working out with the, the state runner-ups of the, of the year. And I remember at the end of the workout, it was the first workout I went to, and Tyler called the huddle up, you know, called it up to, to break it down for the, for the session. And he pointed me out in front of everybody. He was like, if you bleep, 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 and don't run into my huddle, this, this, and that. He was like, don't bring your bleep, bleep back here. You know, this, is and that. And I'm a young eighth grade kid. I mean, my, I had tears in my eyes. I remember looking at my buddy Vinny. I was like, I'm never coming back here ever again. And I never did. And the older I got, the more I look back on that. And I'm like, I needed that. I needed that person to challenge me. I needed Tyler to tell me that, you know, you aren't good enough yet. We do things a certain way here, and that's why we win. And I brought that mentality throughout my years of playing at West Allegheny. Like, this is the standard. We have to keep the standard here. And I always tell Tyler this day, I was like, I thank you for calling me out that day. As bad as it was then, I thank you now, and I thank I thanked you when I was in high school and college for getting my mental capacity up to a level where there's a standard and we have to hold that standard or be better than that standard. And I'll never forget that day. And I, I look back, I'm like, even though I had the the, the cojones to go there and, and, and compete with those guys, I also had a lesson that uh, really was a foundation for me as a person and as a player. So my years at West Allegheny were great. I had a lot of uh, support. The community uh, supported me a lot. The teachers, it's a great uh, – Great school district, great atmosphere, and those are some of the best days of my life. And like I said, those are the memories that I really remember and talk about with playing football. Doran, transitioning from your your high school coach and your high school experience to your college coach, do you have a favorite Dave Wanstad story, and what was it like to play for him? Uh, you know, it was his stature was everything. You know, he would walk into the high school when I was at West Allegheny to recruit me, and the whole high school would stop. I mean, he's every bit of six five, almost six six. I mean, he's a big guy. You know who he is. He coached with the Dolphins, coached with the Cowboys, coached with the Bears. Uh, obviously, he coached in, in you know in college uh, before that at Pitt. And you know, he's just a guy that if he walks in a room, you pay attention. You're like, oh, somebody is here. You know, and who is it? And it, his aura and everything about him was just, you know, unbelievable. So playing for him was, I'm not going to lie. A lot of us, we went to Pitt and we're like, all right, this is our easiest path to get to the NFL. It's like, all right, we, we share facilities with the Steelers. We have Dave Wanstead, who's a former NFL coach. If every kid that goes division one that has a scholarship wants to make it to the NFL. And that was a lot of our uh, uh, thought process was this is the easiest path for us to get to the NFL. Yeah, we want to win national championships. We want to play for our city. Yeah, I'm not saying that we didn't. But to us, that was the easiest way for us to get to the next level was to go through Dave Watson. I, I looked at it like this. I was like, listen, I can go across the country, play for Pete Carroll, and go to USC, or I can stay in my backyard and play for the Pete Carroll of the East Coach, which is Dave, which is Dave Wanstead, and I chose that. Uh, Coach Wanstead, like I said, he was a figure. He was really funny. He was dry. I, I'll never forget a story. Uh, I used to sit in the front row next to C.J. Davis, and he came in, and he, he has his voice, you know, I, I got shoot, you know, you know, shoot. He was like, you know, one time you know, I told these stories back in the day, and shoot, you know, when I was with the Cowboys, Jimmy Johnson, those guys, shoot. And, uh, you know, we talked about the flies. You know, these flies are trapped in this jar. And, and you know, you close the lid up, and these flies, they kept hitting their head off the jar. And, you know, the flies didn't know why they kept hitting their head off the 
head off the jar and shoot. You know, all you got to do is open the jar. You got to jump out of the jar. And that's what we got to do. We got, we can't be the flies hitting our heads off the ceiling, hitting our heads off the top of the, of the cap. We got to open the cap up and jump off the jar. And I tell you what, not one person blinked. Everybody was just like, what did he just say? What is he even talking about right now? And we all looked at each other and we started like chuckling and he was dead serious. But, you know, looking back at it, you know, it, it was funny that he used that analogy and I don't know where he got it from, but it was true. You know, we, we were hitting our heads on, on the ceiling. We were, we would get the games where we should win and we would lose. Um, we would have a chance to make it to a bowl game. If we won the next game, we would lose. And we just had to get over that hump. And we did my senior year. Um, kind of, we ended up losing to Cincinnati, but we got pit to being talked about again. You know, we finished top 15, had Dion Lewis, had guys, uh, Jonathan Ball with Nate Byam, you know, Jason Pinkson, Bill Stahl, uh, Henry Hydnoski, Greg Romeus, Jabal Sheard, Dom DeSico. I mean, we had some ballers. I mean, all those guys were all Big East um, and, and, and Big East players of the year, Mick Williams. We had the right tools. We just got to the Got to the final playing field and just couldn't really uh, couldn't really get over that hump, but we got there. So we got pit to being talked about again, and hopefully they can continue that. And they try every single year to get over that hump, but uh, they got to win the games that uh, you know they're supposed to win, and they'll get over it. Well, that segues into my next question. And also, I always think it's funny because Coach wants that now on Fox Sports One, and you talk about like people with Yinzer accents and I, he might go down as the most Yinzer accent I've ever heard. And I think it's ever. so funny because he'll just open up the mic on Fox sports <laughs> and it's just Pittsburgh one oh one. But Doran, when did you guys in Oh nine and, and you talked about how it really didn't culminate for you personally until that year. And it really didn't uh, for the whole team in, in retrospect, you know, in five and seven, a couple of years before uh, the Sun Bowl game, the infamous Sun Bowl game against Oregon state the year before that, and then 09 happened. And when did you guys in that locker room really figure out at what point in the season or maybe even before the season that you thought, okay, this we're going to make some noise this year? Well, it, it, that's a great question because there was a lot of unknowns. There was, I mean, a lot, a lot of unknowns. I mean, Coach Signetti got hired. Matt Cavanaugh got fired, our offensive coordinator. Then we hired Frank Signetti, who's our new offensive coordinator. Um, you know, we have a second-year guy in Phil Bennett, who's our defensive coordinator. We have Bill Stahl, who, you know, the year before didn't have a great year, was going to his second year as quarterback. Henry Inox, he's a new starter. Deion Lewis is a freshman. He's a new starter. Uh, I'm basically a new starter. Nate Byam is kind of the only seasoned veteran tight end player on our offense. You have Jonathan Baldwin, who's a sophomore. I mean, a lot of guys weren't starters and, and were fighting for playing time the year before that. So there was a lot of unknown. And going into the spring, we knew we had a goal in mind. We knew what we wanted to do. And a lot of us just really took it upon ourselves individually to do our job. I know that that's the Patriots saying, and, you know, I play for the Patriots and I saw how they operate, but that's really how we approach every single game uh, is, is do our job. And i never forget – Frank Zignetti called me to his office the week, week after he got there, a uh, week after he got hired. And it was like, you know, Doran, it ain't rocket science. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And then in my mind at this time, I was just going to focus on my degree. I was like, listen, I'm going to graduate. Uh, you know, this football thing, you know, I, I had a good run, but it's not really panning out. So he goes, Doran, it ain't rocket science. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, 
you're 6'2", 230 pounds, and you run a 4'4", we're going to get you the dang ball. It ain't rocket science. In my mind, I'm like, you know, I've rolled my eyes. Like, yeah, whatever. He's like, we got Jonathan Baldwin, who's an athlete. He's like, Bill Stahl, we'll get him where he needs to be. You know, on offense, we're going to get the guys the ball that make plays for us. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I've heard that before. And he did. You know, he delivered. Uh, my tight end coach, Brian Angelico, delivered. All those guys kept their word, and we all did what we had to do individually, and it really circulated around to us being a good football team because we took care of our jobs individually that made us a good team. And in the spring, i never forget Deion Lewis coming in, coming in, and it was about a week into spring ball, freshman, right out of high school, and he has this pass pro, this blitz pickup uh, protection. We're like, all right, we're going to see what this kid's made of. And he just stones the linebacker. I forget the guy's name. I think it was Steve Dell. Stones the linebacker. We're all like, whoa this freshman he's for real so we know that we have a running back and then obviously Henry Anoski a fullback and you know just things aligned and things were uh very positive we rolled into the season and uh we went from there and we were making plays and it was a lot of fun man it was it was one of the best experiences of my of my life a lot of uh, my teammates I still talk to a lot of guys have their own stories maybe you know you can get some of those guys on here they could tell you their individual story but a lot of guys, and there was a lot of unknown. John Malecki, Jason Pinkson, these guys weren't starters. You know, we all were brand new to this team. So we uh, put it together, and we tried to put together the best team we could. Uh, Doran, there's moments for me uh, for as a pit football fan, and I'm sure that you having been there, having grown up around here, you have those two. Obviously, the 13-9 game at West Virginia is one that a lot of people think of, the 42-39 with Penn State coming back. Uh, for me, the Marty Gilliard return is there in, in that season in, in the Cincinnati game, and obviously that's not one that you guys uh, would love to talk about very often. But for me, that game kind of was the culmination of, of a really great team in a spot, and then that kick return happens. It almost feels like the air is let out of the stadium. Just talk about that moment and, and what that game was like for you guys. I'll never forget that game. We were, I think it was 31 to 10 at halftime, and we were rolling, right? So I never, I'll never forget sitting in the locker room and looking around and seeing Joe Thomas, who was our guard at the time, you know, all excited. Guys are all excited. And I was just like, you know what? I've had this feeling before. And I was like, we got to stay calm. We got to stay even keel. And the feeling that I had before was my junior year in high school. We were number one in the state. C.J. Davis was on the team at West Allegheny. Uh, we play West Mifflin uh, in the third round of playoffs to go to the Whippeals. And West Mifflin just snuck in the playoffs. They weren't that good. And they beat us by one point. And obviously, we didn't make it to the Whippeals that year. And I remember sitting in the locker room at halftime uh, in high school, having that feeling like we got to stay even keel because this game isn't over. We got to finish this. And then fast forward, what, five years later, um, I'm having that same feeling. I'm like, we got to stay even keel. This game isn't over. We can't get happy. We can't get too high. Can't get too low. As Coach Junko would say, we got to finish this game out. And it ended that we lost by one point again. So my junior year and my senior year in college, my junior high school, senior college, I lose by one point to really go into a championship game. And that is my fate. I am. I have never made it to a championship. I've never won a championship, and it was just heartbreaking. It, it, and and people, that's how we are remembered. And I tell kids now, you know, especially kids coming through Pitt, I'm like, how do you want to be remembered? You know, do you want to be remembered as that team uh, that was really good and didn't, you know, quite make it, didn't quite get over the hump? Because that's how I'm remembered. I mean, I mean, no, you know, no offense to you. I mean, that's what you remember. And that was my senior year. And that's what everybody brings up. So we didn't take care of business and, and we had every opportunity to, we were up. We should have just, you know, kept the, kept the gas on the pedal, you know, you know, the pedal on the gas. So, um, you know, that happens in sports. I get it, but 
the great teams, they take care of business and they win the games they're supposed to and they beat Cincinnati. And you're not saying that we weren't great, but we weren't great that day. Doran, I want to make the jump to your professional wrestling journey. Uh, you, you made that venture a few years back. Describe what that whole experience was like and why the haters that call pro wrestling fake should probably pump the brakes a little bit. Well, one, it's not fake at all. It's not fake at all. And I remember uh, I was a huge WWF fan back in the day. I mean, I had all the wrestling, wrestler figures. I had every pay-per-view. I mean, huge fan. And I never forget, you know, getting down there. They flew us down to uh, Orlando, and there was about 40 of us, and 10 of us were athletes, and the other 30 were a mixture of men and women that have done independent wrestling for about 10-plus years, just waiting for that opportunity to, to get to the WWE. And I'll never forget there. We weighed in that night when we got there. I remember looking at one of the scouts. I was like, you care if I go in the gym real quick? He was like, yeah, just just don't touch anything, really. And the gym was like five wrestling rings. And I remember standing there, and I hopped up in the ring, and I jumped a little bit, and I hit the ropes a little bit. And I was like, I closed my eyes, and I just stopped myself as a kid. I was like, I can't believe that I am in a WWE ring right now. And I'm about to compete to be a WWE wrestler. It was the most surreal feeling of my life. You know, thinking, you know, like watching Stone Cold and Goldberg and Sting and, and Hulk Hogan and all those guys. I'm like, I am in this ring. And looking into the, to the, uh, the other room was Shawn Michaels. It was, it was Mark Henry. And there's, those are the guys putting on our workout. I'm like, what am I doing right now? You know, what am I doing right now? This is an unbelievable feeling. And the next three days after that was some of the hardest things I've ever did in my life. And I and I, I train with a guy. He he uh, his name's James Bryant. He played football for a long time. He's a trainer and the owner of Shape Training in uh, East Liberty in Pittsburgh. And he he would wake me up 3 a.m. every day, and I'd work out three times a day for a month. And if I didn't do that, I wouldn't have made it through the WWE uh, training for the three days. It was a boot camp. They weeded guys out. I'll never forget. This guy was about six five, probably about 280 pounds. I mean, shredded. Uh, we started a 20 minute work uh, warm up. And he stood up and said, this isn't for me. And he quit. And then guys just started quitting. People just started quitting because it was that hard. It was that strenuous. It was that intense. Um, the, the head trainer that's there, he played at the University of Pittsburgh, played offensive line at the University of Pittsburgh. Um, so, you know, I kind of had that connection with him. But that experience and the people that I met there and, you know, some of the stories that I heard and some of the people that are, uh, you know, really on that journey for real – it's tough. And a lot of those people, some people made it, some people didn't, but it was one of the best experiences of my life. It was extremely hard and it's not fake at all. And I don't even think my body could have, you know, withheld all the, uh, uh, the pain and the agony that goes through it and taking the bumps off the mat and hitting the ropes, jumping off the ropes. I mean, it's a serious, serious sport and entertainment business. And they do things at the highest level. They are elite and they, uh, they treat their guys, they're men and women really well. And uh, if you do make it, you can make a good living from it. From a tight end's perspective, looking at Pitt football in 2020, and the tight end position is something that's not been obsolete at Pitt, but it hasn't made as big of an impact, say, since you had been there. Uh, and there's a lot of buzz around uh, the graduate transfer, Lucas Kroll, coming in from Florida. As a tight end, a former tight end yourself, what are your thoughts uh, on what he could p potentially bring to the table? Uh, just that you know that veteran presence uh you know Kenny Pickett and and being a quarterback the tight end is the the safe haven you know the guy that's probably always open either over the ball coming across the field uh or going down the seam and I think that could be Kenny's safe haven as long as they catch the ball you know last year I mean the tight ends dropped how many passes 
if they catch some of those passes, you know, Pitt wins some games. And you just got to catch the ball. That, and, I, and I tell kids whenever I train, I'm like, listen, I know that some of these kids, uh, you know, are in high school or in college. I'm like, you get paid to catch the ball. You know, that's what always my coaches told me when I was in the NFL. Whether you run a great route or not, whether you block well or not, you're getting paid to catch the ball and you're getting paid to score touchdowns. So Lucas Kroll coming in here, he can make some noise, um, some noise that hasn't been uh, heard in a while since Orndorff and, 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 and Holtz and guys like that. He can be that next great pit tight end. He has the size. He has the athletic ability. And I believe Kenny will get him the ball if he's open. And they just got to catch the ball. And they got to do their job. The tight end is the second hardest position on the field. And people, believe it or not, you, know, you got you to know how to pass protect. You got to know how to work, you know, team block with tackles. You got to work with the offensive linemen. Then you split out into the slot. You got to run routes like a slot receiver. Then you split out wide. You got to run slot. You got to run routes like a, an X or Z receiver. Uh, sometimes you motion to the backfield and you got a lead block like a fullback. You have to know every single position in order to execute what you're doing as a tight end. So the tight end is very, very reliable in every offense nowadays. And I do believe that they will incorporate more tight end play into the offense this year. Mark Whipple will, if they can handle that, if they can handle, you know, doing all those assignments, if they can handle catching the ball, they will get the ball thrown to them more. Um, and I think Lucas Kroll being around for so long and playing uh, at the University of Florida has seen a lot of good football and played a lot of good football that he could bring some of that, uh, some of that, you know, aura to the pit offense and be a, a big factor for the team this year. Uh, last thing I have for you, Dorn, and I want to get the Cliff Notes version. I think our Zoom time's running out of time, but how'd you get into radio? How much do you enjoy it? I know that obviously you take the experiences that you have had and, and you're able to relay those on the air, which obviously is a huge plus for you. But uh, just talk about uh, Cliff Notes wise, how you got into radio, why, and, and how much you enjoy it. Well, I, I posted a video a couple years ago of Dan Marino. You know, he's getting interviewed and he has, he, he's, he has like a uh, camera. He's doing like a commercial. And he's like, there's no bleep and flub. I don't know if you guys seen that. He's like, there's no flub. And he like laughs and he says, bleep, bleep, bleep. And I kind of posted that on my Facebook and um, um, Larry Richard's daughter, Emma Richard, she saw that. She's like, that's my uncle. You know that. I was like, you know, I've always wanted to get into scouting. Is there any way you can get me in contact with uh, your uncle Dan? And she was like, yeah, and you should also talk to my dad about, you know, anything going on. This is, you know, kind of my transition period from the NFL and I wasn't really doing anything. So I talked to Larry the next day. He's like, you ever think about getting a radio? I was like, no, I never thought about it. He was like, well, he was like, I know there's an opening for a part-time slot. You should give it a try. So that's really the Cliff Notes version of how I got into it. Literally a week later, I was doing a three-hour show filling in for Paul's eyes. Had no clue what I was doing. Never really even listened to the radio. Um, and you know, just, just went from there. And now that, uh, you know, radio is all about reps and you guys are getting all the reps and I see Jack always on the schedule doing producing and Donnie, uh, producing, you guys are getting so many more reps than I've ever had that, you know, think about years from now, you guys are going to be so seasoned that, uh, you know, who knows what can happen, you know, and this is fantastic and doing the producing side and the things that you guys do teaches you the game of radio. I mean, you guys do all the work. Producers do all the work. I mean, you got to, I mean, field calls and you got to get scripts together. And I see Donnie and, and Jack write scripts on our emails. And I mean, that's the hard work. You guys are getting the groundwork already from doing that. You know, I had no clue what that even had, you know, how even to do some of that stuff. So, you know, radio is a great business. TV is a great business. Um, you know, I've learned a lot in the last couple of years about doing it and, and, and how to do certain things and segments. So uh, I love it and I can't wait to keep growing and to grow with you guys, really. And hopefully one day they'll give us a show together. 
Doran Dickerson, former Pitt Panther, former NFL tight end and fullback, now a local radio voice on 93.7 The Fan. Doran, thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Good luck. And like I said, hopefully in a couple of years, you know, we'll be working together and uh, we'll be putting out some good uh, radio and good stuff. Would love that. Coming up on the Come On Network, we have current Pitt Football Center, Jimmy Morrissey with us. That's later on on the Come On Network. The Come On Network podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts, be that Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Anchor, or another. Listen to past episodes anytime you want, and don't forget to download episodes so they're available at your fingertips. We'd also appreciate a subscribe, rating, or review. You can find much more from the Come On Network on Twitter and Instagram at Come On Network. That's C-O-M-O-N-N-E-T-W-O-R-K, Come On Network. And you can find us on the web at comeon.network for blog posts, podcast episodes, columns, hot takes, and more, including merch coming soon. And of course, as always, a thanks to Anchor, the best way to make a podcast. And now more of the Come On Network podcast. We now welcome into the Come On Network starting center on the pit football team, Jimmy Morrissey. Uh, Jimmy, thanks for taking the time to join us. Uh, Want to just start with a couple of quick hitters for you. Just give one-word answers. Uh, first off, I want to start you out. What's your go-to fast food place and item? Chipotle. Okay. Chipotle, yeah. I, I think uh, I'm a very loyal Chipotle goer. I don't know okay. if many people consider that fast food. I guess that is, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I would yeah, say. Yeah. Do, you, do you go bowl or burrito? Bowl. What's in it? Double rice, double chicken, uh, hot salsa, cheese and lettuce, and then I, I throw some uh, their vinaigrette in there. Okay. Uh, social media-wise, you Twitter or Instagram? Ooh. Twitter. Probably Twitter. Okay. With the NBA coming back, uh, Michael Jordan or LeBron James? LeBron. All right. So – We'll talk a little bit, uh, obviously, about the season uh, and what we, uh, what you expect from the guys this year in 2020. But I wanted to jump off and get the listeners a little bit um, about you because your journey to Pitt is interesting because you, you came to Pitt uh, and uh, basically it's a walk-on, and now you're in a spot where you're heading into 2020, and a lot of the experts are – putting you up near the top, if not the top, of the offensive lineman in the conference. So talk about your journey, uh, what it's been like at the University of Pittsburgh for you, Jimmy, and what it feels like to have it all culminate into what it is right now. Um, it's been um, the greatest four years of my life so far. Um, I love the University of Pittsburgh, the football program especially. Um, but, yeah, I came here in summer of 2016 as a walk-on and now it's crazy to look back and reflect on you know what I've accomplished and the, the relationships I've made here and the memories I've created and you know it's just been a fantastic time here uh Jimmy favorite game since being at Pitt tough one um I'm gonna go VTech 2018 home game uh, when Quadri and Darren went off and we rushed for almost 500 yards. And that uh, we had, that, I think, that 97-yard run. And then also close second is uh, that Miami game, my redshirt freshman year in 2017. Yeah, watching Darren and Quadri run for all those yards had to make you guys up front feel pretty pretty good too. 
yeah, that was that was a that was a fun season of running the ball. There's it, it felt like there wasn't a team that we could put up a couple hundred yards on that year. Now, and, and looking in, at, you know, as the recording of this uh, is going on, it was, I believe, yesterday that the ACC announced its plans to reschedule some games for the 2020 season. Um, so, some would argue that it got a little tougher for you guys, uh, swapping out a non-conference game on the road uh, against Marshall or Richmond for a road date against Clemson. Um, talk about your thoughts uh, and what you can talk about for that. And, and something tells me that you guys really don't look into who you're playing or anything like that. But, um, yeah, talk about what, what you think thus far of what the ACC has in place to uh, play a football season in 2020. No, we're excited. We're, I mean, we were ecstatic when we saw that schedule change. If anything, it got way better. Um, you know, we're very excited to go down to Clemson. We're excited to play Louisville, uh, NC State, Boston College. Um, I'm I'm happy we're playing more conference games. It's, it always means more when you're playing in ACC, especially going down to Clemson. My younger sister is a student there, so I, I can't wait to play them. And my freshman year, I never got to travel. Or my my 2016 season, I I redshirted, so I didn't travel down when we upset them. And then 2018, two games before the championship, the conference championship game, I broke my ankle, so I never got a, a crack at them in the conference game. So that was heartbreaking to not be able to play in that game. So I'm, I'm really happy to play Clemson this year. I can't wait. Jimmy, do you have any concerns uh, about playing with, with everything going on, obviously, with, with COVID-19, um, especially you as an offensive lineman because linemen on both sides have closer contact every single play than any other position? No, I have no concerns at all. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to play. Um, I'm not – I don't know. I don't want to speak for anybody, but uh, myself, no, I have zero concerns and I'm ready to play this season. I hope it happens. Um, tell you the truth, I, I hope we don't have to wear those masks or, or those shields on our face masks. I hope that we can have fans too, but I understand the precautions um, and just that, you know, it, pro it won't be normal. The, the normal isn't, isn't what we're going to be used to. So football is going to have to change a little. I get it. But I know I'm ready to play. And, Jimmy, your answer to that kind of segues into my next question. So, a lot of people have been talking about the defensive line coming into 2020. Uh, position groups are standing out here and there and what has been highlighted the last couple of years. But the offensive line and the quality of play of the offensive line at Pitt, to me, seems to have flown under the radar. And it's been very, very consistent and very good for the last – the better part of the last four or five years. Why do you think that is uh, as far as why you guys have been so consistent? might be the work you guys put in. But uh, I want to get your thoughts on why – uh, the offensive line has been as solid as it has been. And frankly, uh, it's me following the team ever since I was little, dating back several head coaches, it really hasn't even seemed to change as far as quality either. I, I think it has to do with a lot. Um, you know, the coordinator, who your skill guys are, what kind of offense you're running. Um, but, you know, to be honest with you, I, I don't think that we had the year last year up front that, that we really wanted. Not even close, actually. Um, so we have, you know, five, six guys returning that all have starts under their belt. Um, and, you know, we, this, is the, this is the tightest group, tightest room I've ever seen in the past four years. Um, and, you know, we're, we're ready for this upcoming season. Um, whether the recognition or not, you know, we don't really – we don't need all the recognition. We just hope that we can score touchdowns, um, let our skill guys get in the end zone, let Kenny throw for some yards. Um, 
and you know we're we're eager to play this year and show that you know we actually are a lot better than what people are saying Jimmy some of the stories we we like hearing uh, especially from you guys that are still in college uh, dive into your recruiting process a little bit um, you know what other schools were right there with Pitt and then what ultimately got you to choose the Panthers you want the whole story it's kind of like a sure yeah. okay all right so um so I never start I didn't start in high school until my junior season so after my junior season got, got done I really didn't have any uh you know I didn't get any attention from any schools maybe uh in the FBS league only got uh Patriot League schools and Ivy League schools were talking to me no offers so going into the summer before my senior year my dad and I and my mom we were in the family room and we were signed up for camps and I only wanted to go to the schools that were talking to me the most so that was Lehigh, Yale, uh, Princeton, and I can't think of the other one. There, there, were, there was one other school I went to. So I chose four FCS schools to go to. Those were all the coaches I was talking to. And my dad said, if I'm taking you to all these camps, then you're going to go to three that I wanted to go to. So he signed me up for Temple, Pitt, and BC. So I was like, all right, deal. So I went to Temple one morning. Uh, I didn't put on a good performance. Then – I, you know, I kind of realized, I was like, I, I got to get this together or else I'm really just going to be wasting my time if I make a trip out to Pitt and make a trip up to Boston. So the next camp was Pitt, and I ended up having probably one of the best football performances I've ever had <laughs> in my life. I, I was doing really well at that camp. Um, and if you guys know Adam Biznawadi, he was one of the camp counselors helping out. So I wasn't even in the group that was invited to the camp. So, like, when we have these camps, you have groups – of kids that the coaches invite and like the position coaches want to see specifically. So I was never invited. So I was just in like the general group and biz was the counselor and he saw me do a rep and he was like, yo, go down, go down to coach Peterson. So I went down to coach Peterson. I ended up having a really good camp. Um, and at that time they had Jim Chaney here, who was the offensive coordinator. And he was, you know, he seemed like a great guy, a great coach, uh, but he just didn't like my size. So he thought I was undersized. Um, nothing came from it didn't get offered but coach Peterson and I always kept a you know good relationship through the whole recruiting process so fast forward to the senior season played my senior season had some decent tape uh the only offers I ever got were a half scholarship to Colgate a half scholarship to Bucknell and a half scholarship to Lehigh so at the end of the season I'm I, you know I'm planning my officials and I do one official to Colgate and then the next weekend I'm supposed to go to Dartmouth and so I'm thinking if I go to Dartmouth the next weekend they're going to ask me to commit and I was, I was honestly, I was, I was kind of prepared just knowing that, you know, this, this might be my best option. Um, cause I didn't have a walk on opportunity anywhere else. Um, so I go, I, I get canceled on my Dartmouth official that Wednesday when I'm supposed to come up on Friday. So I'm just sitting there kind of talking to my parents, like, what am I supposed to do? Like, like, I, I don't know what to do. I, I was supposed to plan a trip this weekend, supposed to, you know, honestly commit in my mind. So my parents have the idea. I reach out to Coach Peterson because Coach Cheney at that time took the job at, I believe, Tennessee or Georgia. I think it was Georgia. And I reach out to Coach Peterson like, hey, I hope everything's doing well. Like, is there any chance, you know, you change your mind and I could come up for a visit? So he invites me up there, tells me I could be a preferred walk-on, talk to Coach Narduzzi uh, in the final meeting. And he says, and I asked him, like, you know, if I get – I mean, I'm, I'm turning down potentially, you know, some really good schools to walk on if I – if I have a shot to, if, you know, if I'm the best player in, at my position, will I have a fair shot to compete? And he told me, yeah. 
uh, of course you will. So he gave me his word there and I, I committed to him and then, you know, the rest is history. But then a funny story, I came home that, that weekend and the Dartmouth coach called me at the end, at the end of the weekend, like, Hey, we made a huge mistake. We want you to, we have a spot for you. We want you to come play for us. But he missed me by 24 hours and I, I'm, I'm extremely thankful that he did. And I'm a, a pit man now, but yeah, so that's the whole, that's the whole recruiting process and why I'm at pit. But really the biggest factor of me here being here is uh, definitely my parents and how encouraging they were to me. And, you know, they're, they're like unconditional support and, you know, pushing me to go for it because they, they believed in me um, at certain times, even when I didn't believe in myself. So you said it, it, it led you to being a pit man and it led you uh, to be the center for the starting quarterback and entering his third full season, Kenny Pickett. Um, reaching out to you about this podcast, I met you at the Dapper Dan back in February and you were there with Kenny. So talk about your relationship with Kenny, personal as a teammate, uh, things like that, what it's like and the importance of it, you being the starting center and him being QB1. Talk about what, what it's been like to grow with Kenny and play with Kenny the last couple of years. Yeah, over the past couple of years, Kenny's been, you know, one of my best friends here at Pitt. He came in. So I, I graduated high school in 2016. He graduated in 2017, but he early enrolled. So I was really only at Pitt for one summer and one fall semester before he was here. He came my second semester of freshman year, um, lived in the same dorm uh, building. And, you know, we just, we just kept a good relationship. And then ever since then, you know, he got that, he got that first start at the end of the season, my redshirt freshman year. That was my first year starting and, you know, he's just, he's been a great friend and a great quarterback and I'm extremely lucky that I have a guy like him under center. Talking with Jimmy Morrissey, the starting center for Pitt football. Uh, Jimmy, you, you mentioned uh, earlier on when talking about the, the schedule adjustment and getting to play Clemson and how you didn't get to play them in the ACC title game because after a great season for you, you got injured in the game where I believe when you guys clinched the Coastal Division. Uh, so how hard was that for you to, you know, kind of lose out on getting to play in that ACC title game? And then on the flip side, how nice of a feeling was it uh, whenever you got cleared and were able to come back? It, it was definitely it's probably the worst, worst moment of my life, I think. Um, when I was told I, my season was done. Because going into that 2018 season, I had my redshirt freshman year under my belt. I thought I had a good season for being a freshman. And going into 2018, I was like, you know what? Like, this is a time where I'm going to step it up and really kind of put my name out there, put my name on the map, really. Um, we had the guys to do it, obviously. We clinched the, the division. And then, you know, I'm thinking to myself, at the end of the season, I get an All-American Gerard – I think his name was Gerard Willis – at Miami, he was an All-American senior, so I could that would have been good game film against him. Then the next week, we would have been at Clemson playing three first-round draft picks on their D-line. And, then, you know, I was just thinking, obviously, beat Miami, beat Clemson, go to a great bowl game, win that too. And then, you know, I kind of think, you know, for selfish reasons, all, I mean, obviously, I, I wanted to put my name out there for hopefully in the – you know, get my name out there in the NFL – uh, for scouts to talk about. So that, that was heartbreaking because all offseason, my teammates and I, all we worked for was that ACC championship. And, like, you know, seeing us accomplish so much, and go, I think it was like a five-game win streak we went on, just tough games. And then finally getting to that point and realizing that, you know, I was, I was one game away from accomplishing my goal of that season. And 
it was heartbreaking that an injury was the thing that held me back. But, you know, it's, it's football. Um, and so when I got cleared, it, it was definitely it, – it, it increased my appreciation for the game, I guess, when I got cleared and how much I really do love what I do. Uh, I want to ask about Coach Pat Narduzzi. He's about to enter his sixth season, and it's uh, the pit football program before Coach Narduzzi. It seemed to struggle with some stability at the head coaching position, and you have a guy in Coach Narduzzi who is visibly loving being the head coach at the University of Pittsburgh, and he's the first coach since, I think, Dave Wanstad back in the early 2010s to enter season number six uh, as a head coach at Pitt. So talk about uh, what the, how important that is for the football program at the University of Pittsburgh and what it's like playing for Pat Narduzzi. I think it's very important for the, definitely the recruiting aspect. And then once you bring in those recruits that you promise, you know, that, or you say that you're going to be here, he's actually done it. And he has stayed here. He stayed true. Um, he's a pit man. He loves being here. He's a great coach. I love playing for him. Um, he's always been, you know, nothing but honest with me. And I, I really appreciate that from coaches sometimes, you know, when they just, you know, they say what they mean. And, uh, you know, he's been honest with me. He's been a great coach. He cares about his players a ton. Um, you know, he, he really cares about his guys in that room. And I'm, I'm really happy that he's my head coach. And it, it is huge that he's been here for six years. Can you know, not a lot of guys are lucky to say you're able to say like, Hey, I've had my head coach for all five years of college and, you know, it's different getting, you know, it's big getting a coordinator change or a, or a position coach change. But when a, when a head coach changes, that, that entire program changes. So it's been nice to have that stability at that position, especially from a great guy like him. Jimmy, I do want to ask before we're done, uh, last season uh, you and Kenny Pickett uh, did the beer shotgun celebration uh, after <laughs> the touchdowns. Uh, want to know – one, who, whose idea was it? Um, and then what did the coaches and Pat Narduzzi think of it? Um, I really don't remember whose idea it was. I can't remember. You're going to have to ask Kenny. It, knowing it was probably Kenny, honestly. I, maybe it was me. I don't know. Um, but we're both 21. We're both 21. We did that celebration. Um, no, they, they didn't say anything because, I mean, I mean, it's not like that's – I don't know. It, it, it was fine. They, we didn't get any. We didn't get in trouble from anybody, so. But, yeah, it was, it was funny to see ourselves on, like, ESPN or Barstool or whatever who was posting it. But we didn't think it was going to get caught on camera. But it was, it was funny that it did. Uh, Jimmy, the last question for you, and it's kind of a generic last question. Uh, God willing, you guys get to play a season in 2020. What's the goal? Uh, what's the expectation for the Pitt Panthers football program in 2020? I think win every game – win every game we play um, with the, the defense we have this year and Coach Whipple's second year with a returning quarterback. Having a returning quarterback is huge in college football, and it's even bigger when you have a returning O-line and a returning D-line. So we have a ton of starters coming back. Um, definitely win every single game we play, put a ring on our finger by the end of the season, and, you know, restore pits, pit footballs. Uh, you know, the program's reputation back to what it used to be, being a, you know, a blue chip team. Jimmy Morrissey, starting center for Pitt football. Jimmy, thank you so much for taking the time. Once we uh, bring back some come on Pitt shirts, we'll be sure to send one your way. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys.